Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us here on Seminole Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa, and today we're having slight technical difficulties. We're seven minutes early. Blogtalk gave us an extra ten minutes because uh, there was a slight error in, in programming, but uh, they helped out. Great. i got to thank my, my blog talk representative for making a speedy, speedy recovery on my show here. And thank you for putting up with me freaking out. When you have the guest on the other line and the show hasn't even started yet, you, you start to get a little panicky. We have the excellent Hanahate from Star Trek Generations and from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is an awesome show, by the way. There's connections to uh, Battlestar Galactica because of the, the front runner of uh, uh, Deep Space Nine. We talking to her about that. We talking to her about her newest adventure, Fifth Passenger. It's going to be a fantastic show. I've been looking forward to this. heard all the Marvel news. There's a lot of Marvel news going around right now. You heard there's going to be a, going to be a Black Panther? Of course you did. You heard there's going to be a Stephen Strange, a Doctor Strange movie? Of course you did. You heard about the new uh, Infinity Wars being the third film of the Avengers uh, trilogy? Part 1 and Part 2. Noting that Thor and Captain America most likely will not make an appearance in the first film because the contracts only limit them to a certain amount of movies, and they pretty much have surrendered their titles out to these films. So, most likely they're going to miss the first film, but be there for the second film. There was Thor Ragnarok. That was amazing. Captain America's Civil War. They said that Black Panther will make a big part in that film. So it'll be Tony Stark, Iron Man. It'll be, it'll be Captain America fighting each other. The Black Panther will make a pivotal role. Before, in the comic books, it was Spider-Man. So my assumption is, since the Marvel Universe does not have any masked people in it, in its universe, that Black Panther will be the one that, that is unmasked or fights um, the resolution that actually 
puts mutants or superheroes in a lineup. Basically, you have to fight for the government. Very much what the Justice League came up with with Cadmus. It was very interesting. They, they follow the same passages. There was a lot of lot of details. What's interesting is that Marvel and DC are just scrambling to get a female and a black superhero as quickly as possible. Now you can either you can quickly say that there there have been black superheroes in the past. There's been uh geez, I can't think of it off the top of my head. That's how rare it is. See? <laughs> but we had uh Hawkman. Okay. We got oh excuse me, the Falcon. Now the Falcon was an original adventure a long time ago. So kind of weird that it came in now, but that's that's good. That's cool. What else do we have? We have the Iron Patriot. That's cool. That's cool. That's about it. Now, the Black Panther is an incredible story based on Wakanda, part of Africa, where they have advanced technology. They shield their entire country so people can't see them. Their major, major thing is vibranium. Now, if you see the... Avengers Age of Ultron trailer. You'll see Captain America's shield snapped in half. Now, in this universe, since there is no adamantium because 20th Century Fox owns the rights to uh, X-Men, what you'll see is that his shield is made out of vibranium. So I, I believe that that's where it'll play into Black Panther in Age of Ultron. Because there was a, about three or four hints, especially the killing of Black Panther's father, the person who killed him is actually played by Andy Serkis. So he's in the trailer as well. So that was, a, that was also a big thing for the Black Panther as well. So there is a couple little Easter eggs in there. And, and let me just say again, Black Panther is one of those incredible characters. He's, he's a lot like Batman in the Justice League, where he is one of the founding members, or one of the original members, but he's not necessarily a member because he chooses to you know, rule Wakanda, rule his, his homeland. And when certain things happen, he chooses to go back and protect his homeworld, or his homeland, or his home people. He's a very, very interesting character, yet he's very passive and, and giving. Very, very cool. How was your Halloween? What did you go addressed as? When I was younger, when people used to say, what, what did you go as for Halloween? I used to say, I used to go drunk. <laughs> this year, I, I played video games. Passed out candy. It was awesome. But I wish I could trick or treat. What did you go addressed as? Call in. 657-383-1444. What do you wear for, for Halloween? You wear something Star Trekky? Something we could tell Hannah about? Maybe scare her a little bit? <laughs> about how many people in the world wear a Star Trek for, uh, for Halloween? I just saw a friend of mine get married in a Star Trek marriage. I was like, whoa. That's something to mention. But I've seen them all Star Trek weddings, Star Wars weddings. I've seen the entire thing. 
we'll be talking to Hannah, Hannah in just just another just another minute or two. But what's interesting about Deep Space Nine is Deep Space Nine was actually one of the more intense shows. If you haven't seen it yet, Deep Space Nine took place near near a manufa- what we would consider a manufactured wormhole, occupied by what the Bajorans would consider deities. What's different about Deep Space Nine, opposed to Generations or Voyager or Enterprise, is that it takes a lot of warfare into account. There's a lot of battle. There's a lot of fighting involved. So it's one of the more darker storylines. I really, really like that. And the showrunner of Deep Space Nine went off to create or reinvigorate Battlestar Galactica, which is incredible. So when you see the connections of sci-fi, it is one of my beliefs that Hanahate will be one of those, you know, sci-fi goddesses who really grew up with the sci-fi world and everybody envelopes them inside of it. Very much like, you know, Sigourney Weaver. I always call it the Ripley effect. The Ripley effect is every real man loves a strong woman. Now, when you put a strong woman in a sci-fi world, it's even better. Like Lindo Hamilton in, in Terminator 2. There's nothing in the world that, that can destroy that. Except for the newer films. And that brings me to my new segue when I talk about Terminator. I wanted to get this little bit of this frustration out of my soul here. Okay, so I heard, you know, we we're talking about the Ripley effect there. What I hear about the new story is that the reason why she knows what Arnold Schwarzenegger looks like as a Terminator is because he comes to visit her at nine years old and takes care of her until she's an older woman, until she's a mature woman, I should say. I don't know how old she is in the film. Which basically negates the first and second film altogether. So you're Lyndall Hamilton, you're, you're, you're Ripley, in the second film, pumped up, ironed, ready to go, is gone now. And the reason why she's strong is because she was overlooked by a Terminator. Not through self-preservation or, or fighting through adversity. Nope. There was a, uh, a Terminator watching her the entire time and looking over her and protecting her. That's really awesome. <laughs> Reminds me of last week where you, where you conflict certain storylines in order to make a female strong. And you know a male writer's writing this. And in actuality, you make the female leads weak. Because it needs to be her. <laughs> Don't you understand? It needs to be her that is strong. It can't be somebody else that envelopes onto her. Anyways, read the, look at the write-up on IGN.com. I love that site. Uh, Aintitcoolnews.com for anything uh, that I was talking about today. The guys down there are fantastic at this stuff and, and are constantly talking about sci-fi worlds and some of the parallels of the universes. Uh, I really dig those conversations. So, look into that. I'm going to take a short little break here. I'm going to welcome in Hannah and we're going to have a great show today. Give me one minute.
We call that the green room. When I go into the other side there and, and talk to our guest, that's our green room. That's when I try to tell them that the, everything will be fine. Let's bring on the lovely Hanahate. Anna, how are you doing? Hi, Steve. I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. I'm so happy to have you on the air. You're so gracious to be to uh, to want to be on the show. Thank you so much. Of course, it's a pleasure. I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Sounds good. Well, both of us are. You know, we both have uh, ties back to Tarzana. Uh, you, your father had a restaurant out there. Uh, that was that was yeah. fantastic. I remember eating. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I was actually born in Tar- Tarzana as well. So. Oh really? Not sure. Yeah, so I was born in Tarzana Hospital. My dad's restaurant was um, up in Bel Air, actually, and then we yes. moved it down to South and Oaks. Still, uh, kind of uh, the same uh, area, but. Well, it was it was one of those things where it was told by many people, and you know, L.A. You know how L.A. is. Everybody tells everybody whose restaurant is owned by who, and if you like sci-fi, they tell you who's where and what happens. It's it's, it's kind of odd. So when I walked yeah. walked into the restaurant when I was young, it was, it was kind of it was kind of weird because you were you were very young, so it was very difficult to see the the lineup of of going back into the world of Star Trek: Next Generation. Now, <laughs> let's go let's go back. So, did you did you want to be? I mean, could you remember wanting to be an actress, or did your or, or did your parents just kind of push you into the limelight yourself? It kind of just happened. My I was. I believe I was four when I got the role of Molly O'Brien in The Next Generation, and I honestly, I don't remember the interview process or the auditioning process at all, and I think I was so young, my parents were just like, oh, she's cute, let's see if she can get something, you know, throw her out there, and I guess I went into the audition room by myself, they wouldn't let my mom go in with with me, and um, I honestly, like I said, I don't remember it at all, but she said that when I walked out, she, you know, the door opened and she just heard everybody in there laughing hysterically. So I must have done something right. I'm not sure what I did, but it it was obviously a positive thing. So that was well, well, there, were, there were very few children in in, in the in the storyline of of Next Generation. You were one of the very few children to be born in that world, uh, along with Wesley Crusher, who was not born in the world, was was actually a pivotal child character in Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were when you were older, did you did you see that tie in between uh, like your your vision in that world and and how it tied in, or did you feel separate from the Star Trek world when you when you got older? Um, you know, once I got older, I I kind of it, you know I didn't really realize what Star Trek was when I was filming. You know, I mean, after a few years of getting into it, I was I realized what I was doing, but you know. After I stopped filming, I also kind of was just like, oh, yeah, like, it wasn't really a big deal to me. Like, I would tell my close friends, like, oh, yeah, I was in Star Trek when I was younger and bringing people here and there. And a lot of, you know, a lot of times people would be like, what? Are you kidding me? That's awesome. And then I, I didn't really, for many years, had no idea what a great thing that was to be in and how lucky I had been to be a part of right. that. And now I'm, like, totally, everything's, like, all coming back to me, and I just, did my first convention in August in Las Vegas. Oh, so fantastic. Then, now, now, tell us about yeah. that. So, so you went to a convention um, in August. So I went to the Star Trek, I was, I think it was just called Star Trek Las Vegas, Las Vegas if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. Star Trek convention. Um, it was really awesome. It was the first time I'd seen Colin Meany since we stopped filming, so about 15, 16 years. 
It was absolutely oh, hilarious. So that was where the picture was from with Mr. O'Brien. Yes. That was a picture so of you holding like, each other? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. Um, it was really funny. I walked back into the green room, and he was sitting there. And I ran up to him, and I was like, hi, Daddy. And he was, he looked at me, and he was like, what? Wait, who? He got, like, so startled, and he didn't realize it was me at the time. And he was like, oh, my God, that's my little Molly. All grown up. So that was really, I'm sure really he awesome. ancient at that moment. <laughs> Did he start to cry and feel his age at that moment? Like, oh, my God. I can't believe this is happening. No, no tears were shed. It was, if they were, it would have been happy tears. Mainly just smiles, a little bit of catching up and all that. Did you go back and watch your old episodes before you went to the convention so you can talk to these uh, guys, you know, when they give you, like, some prepping information? Like, did you know you were in this episode? Did you prep yourself for that? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Um, Actually, so before, like, after I found out that I was going to the conventions, I was like, oh, geez, I have to go back and, like, I have to refresh my memory because it had been so long. So luckily, Netflix at the time had all of the Star Trek seasons streaming. I don't know if they currently right. do anymore. My, my brother tried to watch it, and he said he couldn't, but I went back and rewatched oh, all my no. episodes. Is it still there? Oh, it's there. I saw your episodes. It's funny. I went oh. back to go watch your episodes for this interview, and I, I realized that I actually memorized every single episode, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> you had already known them anyways. So I already knew them, yeah. Yeah, you watch it yeah. enough times. That's how I am with certain shows, and you totally memorize it. You know, like you'll forget about it when you're not watching, but you start watching again. You're oh. like, oh right, that's what happens, and it's really <laughs> exciting. But yeah, it was it was definitely interesting rewatching it since it had been so long since I had watched any of my episodes. Um, it's just it's just funny to see yourself on TV, especially when I was so young. Yeah, was it fun? Was it horrifying? Was it what was it like <laughs> looking back at yourself? <laughs> it. Well, it was just, it, it was interesting. It was kind of funny. I was like almost laughing the whole time I was watching it because it's, it's kind of hard to believe that that was me. You know, it, it right. looked pretty much the same, just grown up a little bit. But it's, right, just a little it's taller. Just, right? just a little bit taller. I'm not, I'm not, still not very tall. I'm only about five feet. I didn't grow that much. That's pretty but. That's pretty good, actually. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, the episode... I, I love that episode where where, where, um, where Chief O'Brien comes back from, from a trip, and I'm sure you saw this episode, and, and uh, he's actually a replicant, and nobody knows that. He doesn't even know that. That's why he goes back. And then and then you act like a little brat to him. And, and it, it kind of plays off the... the um, the Body Snatchers episode, almost, where you think that everybody on Deep Space Nine, I'm not, yeah, Deep Space Nine is as out of out of control when actually Chief O'Brien is the one who's who's lapsed in the memory. So I thought that yeah, was very interesting. I, I like seeing you I, that way. That was like a very interesting episode. I think that is that the one where they threw the welcome back party and he yes. crushed the glass in his hand. Yes. I think yeah, I totally remember. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun to film as well because. I remember, I, yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, be a brat. And I was like, okay, I'm a little kid. I can do that just fine, you know, no problem. I got I, um, I got this. Yeah, right? Like, don't worry about it. We're good. I got this. Yeah. Under my belt. But that was a very fun episode, definitely. I think one of my favorites, though, um, probably, I think it was called Time's Orphan. Is that the one where I, I fall oh, into yeah. the time portal and then I come back and I'm older? Yes. Okay, talk about that. So what did you think about that, that episode? That was awesome. That one was absolutely fantastic. That was so much fun to film. Um, we went, so I, 
believe the planet that we went to was Galana. That's where we were going to, like, have a little family picnic or whatever. And we actually filmed that in California at this place called Malibu Creek, which is this really awesome hiking area. Just super, you know, wildlife, just a bunch of mountains, lakes, rivers, everything you can imagine. It's absolutely beautiful. And we filmed it there, and this little spot that we were filming in the outdoor area, there was a rattlesnake right next to us. So we actually had to pause filming for a while and wait till the park rangers came and they had to remove the snake and put it somewhere safe and that was really cool and doing like the scene where I fell into the time portal was really awesome as well so it's strapped to a hundred right yeah pretty much very fantasy like yeah yeah that one definitely was by far one of my favorites so you you have fond memories of those of those times oh yeah they were all fun the only scary one was um the Rumpelstiltskin episode. Oh yes. No, I can't Please, that, tell everybody about that. I mean, I think that was. I thought that was. A, I thought that was a little harsh on you. I was like, oh my, oh my gosh. But you know about editing? I, editing. Oh. Yeah, I was legitimately terrified of the actor who played Rumpelstiltskin. I, it was really. I I literally thought he was going to steal me. I I didn't realize that what you know that we were acting. I guess and like his makeup was done so well and he was such a great actor that I was like oh my god this guy is actually going to steal me I refused to be in the same room with him by myself I made somebody be in there like at all times and there was the scene where um, my parents walk, like they finish reading me the bed, bedtime story of Rumpelstiltskin and they walk out and he's supposed to you know he comes to life in my bedroom and then I walk out and you see me walk out and I'm absolutely, like, I'm I'm terrified. Like, you see the horror in my face. Like, you know, I'm like, Mommy, he's in my room. And they're like, who? And I'm like, Rumpelstiltskin. And, like, I'm legitimately, like, I was about to cry, I think. So, I mean, they just, in a way, that was great for, for the filming process. But I definitely remember not being happy about that. But my parents I, sh- I, should, to- I shouldn't be laughing at you being horrified, but I, I can't <laughs> no, help but laugh. just laughing. At the- it's really funny thinking about it. Because, I mean, you know. It I was, is. I was told I should have known. They wanted um, to scare you, and yeah. they actually did it. Yeah, they did a great job, and it worked. It was perfect for, for the episode. It totally worked fine. But I remember, I think they had take, taken me the next day to watch him get his makeup put on. So that kind of helped, you know, grasp right. the fear out of right. himself. Let me ask you a question. Was that your first diva moment on 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 scene? Uh, did you ever, have, you know, I have to be by myself. I need I need Fiji water right now. Oh, I need a Xanax. Was that, you mean something? Was that the first? That's, the first diva moment. I like that. Um, I probably was. I, I would definitely yeah. say it was. Um, cause I was like, legitimately, I was like, no, there's no way. Like somebody has to be in here. Like, I can't do this without, wow. like, I can't do this by myself. And <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily right. say that I had more diva moments after that. I'm sure I did, but not that I can really remember fully. Right. At least. So, so you're, you're a first generation American. Are you, are you, am I correct on that one? Yes, you're correct. Yeah. My dad's, uh, from Japan, but he moved here. Um, I don't remember what year, but he moved here to San Francisco, and him and my mom met, and I was born in Tarzana. So nice. I'm and you, and you, have a, you have a brother too, right? 
Yeah, I have an older brother, Samson, and a younger sister, actually, and her name's Summer. So she's Ooh. she's actually nine years okay. younger than me, so there's a, there's a big gap there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're all I know a lot of people that age. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. You know, I, I, no, I'm... I'm sure a lot of people have seen a lot of things from from the past, but they haven't seen anything from the present from seeing from Star Trek Generations, from Voyager. And we're going to get into The Fifth mm-hmm. Passenger pretty soon about your, your newest project. But in between that time, what were, you, what were you doing in between that time? Were you looking through the world? Were you venturing through? Were you traveling? Were you, what were you doing? Well, I was, um, I mean, I was still in school. I think I was 10 or 11 when Deep Space Nine ended filming. And so at that time, I mean, we lived pretty far away from L.A., so it was a little bit hard to get me out to auditions. And I started focusing on sports and music. I played a lot of hockey and a lot of violin. And so I focused on that for a few years. And unfortunately, I quit both of them. But I'm trying to reteach myself how to play the violin again, which is hard, but it's fun. Um, did a lot of traveling as well. So it basically just was you know, living a life that any regular person would be living, you know, doing nothing. Well, let me ask you a question. While you're traveling and, and finding yourself, you know, a, a lot of people, they, they look back with a certain amount of, you know, I, I have friends who've been in movies and shows, and they look back with a large amount of regret, and they really don't answer why, or they don't really venture why. We just kind of laugh at it pretty much. But as you're, as you're going out into the world, and you're, and you're probably being just inundated with Star Trek stuff around the world, uh, do you, do you were you bothered by that seeing that in the middle of your life or, or really at the beginning of your your teenage life and your towards your, your adult life did that bother you seeing that a lot or did that give you a comfort? It was actually very comforting seeing any Star Trek anywhere. I I wouldn't say it bothered me at all. It was like I would you know like I said before I didn't realize how big it was and then when I would see it I'd be like oh cool Star Trek like oh I was in that you know no big deal and now it's becoming even, yeah, no big deal yeah no big deal but now it's becoming even more of an exciting thing when I do see Star Trek stuff yes yes so I, when I when I when I announced you were going to be on the show the, the show went crazy the all, oh. all the sides everything that I publicized for everybody went nuts I'm like um okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess Star Trek is not dead. Okay, yeah, let's let's do this thing. Uh, like, I was kind of. Right, uh, that's how I I'm feel. I'm game. Let's do yeah. this. Right? Yeah, exactly. No big deal again, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, when, when was the first time that you ever bumped into anybody or saw anything that gave you like kind of the light on of the, I was part of this or this is this special? Um. Wow. So. I had moved to San Francisco about three years ago, and I remember coming home, and my roommates were watching an episode that I was in, and I walked in, and I saw my my, my face on the TV, and I was like, wait a minute, you guys are watching Star Trek? Like, what are you doing? Like, it totally blew my mind. They're like, yeah, we love this show. It's great, blah, 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 And at that point, I was like, okay, like, if my roommates are randomly watching this, and I guess it's pretty right. pretty awesome, you know, it's a pretty cool thing. And then, you know, slowly but surely, I started talking to more people about it, and they were like, "Oh my God, that was you! I used to watch that. Like, I grew up watching that. My parents loved it. Yada yada yada." And it's just it's so you're phenomenal. One, so you were one of those kids who just didn't tell all your friends. You just didn't like random strangers like tugging on their shoulder. Hey, listen, I was in Star Trek, <laughs> dude. You, you, you were that kind of kid, huh? 
No, and it was just like only my close friends really knew, and then they would be wow. the ones to tell other people. It was kind of like I would tell my close friends or my family, and then they were the ones to kind of brag about it to other people. Right, right. like you're a trophy or something almost. Yeah, it's like oh, guess who my friend is, or guess who my cousin, or exactly. you know my niece and whatever. So you know, I just let them do the bragging for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So then, yeah. so then, when you're off to college, you would tell your your secret friends, and then when you you watch other people watch Star Trek, and that's what compelled you, like, oh my God, people really love this stuff. So when you went mm-hmm. up to the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, that mustn't have been too much of a shock for you to see all that it, stuff. It totally was. It was a shock. It was mind blowing, but it was amazing at the really? same time. You know, I I'd never seen that many people dedicated to something like that. Like I just never imagined that it was such a big phenomenon. You know, I wait and it was three days long and each day it was just it just got better and better. Everyone was dressed yeah. up and everyone's you you know, everyone who goes there is just going to have fun and have a good time and it's just such a great vibe yeah. and an atmosphere and everyone's so welcoming and you walk around and people just you know, they just stop and they just want to have a quick conversation and you know, no one's creepy or annoying. It's just everyone's so loving at those kind of things. And it was really awesome to experience and to be a part of. Sure. Star, Trek, Star Trek is so is so special to so many people that even when you look at, um, um, what is that movie with with uh, with uh, Sigourney Weaver? It was, uh, was it, oh my gosh, I can't remember. It was a play off of Star Trek, but <laughs> Galaxy, Quest, Galaxy Quest, excuse me. So you watch Galaxy Quest, it's basically a play off of Star Trek, and that's how special Star Trek is to a lot of people, whereas you can actually have parody of the film and have it be great. Uh, so that, that's, that's fascinating. So have you seen any of the newer films from the Star, from the Star Trek world? I've seen like, did you go to- like, the big screen films. Not the, I don't know how many there are now. The, like the, oh, shoot. Like the ones that have been on the big screen. What was that? The latest one. Yeah. Can you remember? Yeah, it's Star Trek One and then Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, okay. So Basically I haven't. I saw the first rap. one, but I haven't seen Into Darkness. I heard mm. the first one was better, though. First one is better. Somebody, the second one is more okay. like the Wrath of Khan redone. You know, I had actually never seen the Wrath of Khan either. Really? I, I was. Yeah, I'm horrible. Like I'm horrible at watching things. It's really bad. I'm like a horrible movie watcher. I should get more into it. I watch a lot of TV shows, you, but not too you, much. What movies. TV shows do you like watching? Um. Well, right now I just finished watching The Peaky Blinders, the first season. Yeah. About like old school mafia people, I think in England, or it's about like the old school IRA in England. It's very interesting, but. Some of my favorite shows. I'm I'm a total sci-fi nerd. I love um, Battlestar Galactica. I love X Files. Totally binge watch that. Um, I just finished recently watching Doctor Who as well, which I'm totally obsessed with. Uh, Don't you just love the Bad Wolf? Oh my God, the Bad Wolf. Let's let's stay on Doctor Who. I want to talk to you about Doctor Who. Who is your Who is your favorite companion on Doctor Who? And would you like to be a companion on Doctor Who? Oh my God! Would I ever? I would absolutely love to be a companion on Doctor Who. I, I'm, it's really hard to say who my favorite one is. Um, I really liked Rory. Rory, I thought was a great addition because normally, I mean, he always has female companions, but then you had the couple, Amy yes. and Rory, which I thought was awesome. Right. Amy was kind of a little bit of a brat, but I still liked her. 
And um, <laughs> she was the newest one right now. What's her name? I can't remember. Uh, Clara. Oh, she's so she's, she's awesome. Awesome. Clara. Yeah. She's darling. She's yeah. beautiful you, and she's a great actress and she's just hilarious. I I love her to death. I think she's one of the best ones probably. I, yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. Right, right next to for me, right next to Rose. To me, she's she's because for, I had a problem with Rose at the beginning because she she wasn't your typical American beauty. So I, at the, <laughs> yeah, the beginning, the was, beginning like, was a little. She had to grow yeah, on me. Like, she wow. definitely had to grow on me. Yeah. But after you know, and she you know she comes back in later episodes, and then she's even more badass than she was before. And you're like, oh. okay, I see you, Rose. It's it's, it's very it. when you watch your. It's it's very interesting when you watch the original Doctor Who, you, you'll see that they really channel around Doctor Who, and in the new series, they channel really around the companions, and it really brings mm-hmm. kind of a, a you know omnipotent uh, you know sideways look at Doctor, whereas before you you really look into his face and kind of go, this is more of a character. Let me ask you a question: yeah. When you look at Star Trek, and I'm sure you you've seen episodes since then, but when you look at Star Trek, do you see the resemblance of the creative aspect of Doctor Who and other sci-fi shows, and how it, how how Star Trek inspired entire generations of writers, of creativity, and, and, and generations of where to go. Oh, I can definitely see it. I mean, even in like the world with that, you know, all the technology in the world that we have today, like there are so many things that are in Star Trek that you see now, like in real life or in, in other shows, and it's like it's absolutely amazing, and I. I didn't realize that, you know, at the time either. And slowly but surely, I'm starting to see things, and I'm like, oh, it's bringing me back to the Star Trek days. And it's right. phenomenal to see that. It's totally awesome. And it, I honestly never would have thought that it would have been such a thing, like such a big commodity, you know. But, yeah. like, I mean, you, see, well, you watch Star Trek, and they have, like, iPads and things that totally yeah. weren't iPads at the time. But, you know... Like, back right. in the day, they looked like iPads and, like, all the little touchscreen computers that they had and all the technology, and now we have all these things that basically, I mean, all we need is, are those little, like, microwaves that you push a button and your food is ready and pops out. Right. I want that. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was Yeah, that was also really fun to film, too. They'd be like, all right, they'd, you know, you push a button, you cut, and then put a plate in the little replicator. I think it was called a replicator, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I don't know, I could be wrong. Yes. Um, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, push a button, cut, put the food, the plate of food, well, the fake food or whatever it was, and then put it in the replicator. Yeah. All right, action, and then all of a sudden you have magically a delicious plate of food right, food right in front of you. <laughs> so you know, we'll get that which, which, Monday. Well, it kind of reminds me of Japan, actually, a little bit, where it's almost, you know, you put a couple quarters in the machine and you get, you get like, a big ramen bowl. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. Right. Like, okay, I'll do that. The easiest thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> if only that was that? If only that was everywhere. One day we'll have that. Here I know. I wish. I, I love Japanese <laughs> uh, vending machines so much. I'm, I'm half Japanese on, uh, on my side, my, my mother's side. Oh, really? So I've been upset. Oh. I want to get. I want to get a Japanese vending machine here so bad. Oh, Those things are awesome. Sure. And it's amazing in Japan, like you walk down the street and there's like 20 of them just lined up right next to each other. I know. And you can take your pick out of hundreds of different items. And you're like, okay, this is cool. Don't mind it's if I crazy. do. I know, don't, mind, don't mind if I just stand here, eat a ramen bowl, and drink a beer. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, love, I love that Japan stuff. You know, what's very interesting is, is you know, 
looking at Japan and and, and looking at uh, your heritage and, and being first-generation American, it's very interesting to see uh, the tie into the Star Trek world because your mother in, in the show was, was Japanese while your father was, was yes. Irish, which was very, yeah. very, very interesting. Did, did you know that when you were a child growing up, that, that's, that you're playing off of nationality? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, my mom's the one, and my dad's the one who's Japanese, so it was kind of just a flip. Mm. My mom's, I think, Russian and Polish, a little bit of a, a mixture, oh. but I definitely knew that I was playing into the half and half, you know, the little halfy race part. Um, but I never thought that was a bad thing. I think it's awesome, totally. So your 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 mother is Russian Polish and your father is Japanese. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you punch people really hard when you're angry, or just really really hard when you're angry? <laughs> oh, uh, usually just you know I'd say really hard. Not really. Hard. <laughs> I try try to keep the peace. I think it's more you know it's I try to keep the peace. It's more in my head that the thoughts come up, yeah. but I, I, I try to bite my tongue most of the time. It's not always that I'm easy, sure when you know. I see a, I'm sure when I see a five-foot Hana come, come up to me angry, I'm sure I don't get scared at all. Not not even a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> you, you probably should. No, I'm just I'd be kidding. scared to death, um, personally. Well, your, your character I mean, in Star Trek was, was incredibly special because uh, she went from Next Generation to Deep Space Nine, and there really are no characters other than your family's characters that that did that, that switch, which actually yeah, think, kind of... Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right on that, actually. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, Worf, Worf, Worf went off to Space... No, 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 no. Worf went off to Space 9 for a little while and then went back uh, to Generations, but I always cool. felt like it, it, it kind of kept uh, Chief O'Brien out of the Generation... or out of the Next Generation films. Did, did you ever see that growing up? Like, we we switched over... We have a new family. We have a new thing going on here. Was that a big thing when you were a kid? I didn't really even realize, like, when I... I didn't know that I had switched from the next generation to Deep Space Nine. Cause when, I mean, I was four when I started, and I think that's the same... Like, when I was still four is when we switched. And I mm-hmm. don't believe that I knew what exactly happened. Wow. But it was really cool. I mean, like just growing up and being on set and I was treated like a princess. It was amazing. Every day I had my own little trailer and wow. every day they would come ask me like, Oh, do, what do you want for lunch? And the, it was the same answer every day. I just want a grilled cheese with a side of ketchup, maybe some fries and some water. Like it was, it was very awesome. I was very simple, I guess. But That's awesome. Yeah. I just, I think I took everything for granted really. Well, really you were young. Really I mean, yeah, I mean, I was so little. You, and my mom was just like, hey, Tana, do this, and I'll buy you a toy later. I'd be like, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's awesome. You know, when I was when I was watching the, the, the shows again, it, what's great about it is that this is a, the greatest gift to you as a child because even though you may oh. not, and I took this into consideration, you may not have remembered your experiences, at the very least you have a snapshot of you mm-hmm. in this world in your life. That that must be incredible. Oh, totally. And it's obviously going to be there forever. I mean, unless every single film and all like the electronics like got destroyed, then there'd be no evidence of it, but it's great. I mean, I'll have it forever. I'll be able to show my kids one day. If I do have kids, you know, it's just, it's definitely a great thing to have been a part of. I 
still kind of in shock of how lucky I am. Yes. Well, you know, what's funny is that you mentioned Battlestar Galactica, and one of the head writers from Deep Space Nine who took it in the direction that it did is the mm-hmm. actual creator of the new Battlestar Galactica. Oh, really? So, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's, that's Alan Moore. So Alan Moore actually was the guy who uh, did all the work on Deep Space Nine, made it as deep as it is, and then they hired him to be the frontrunner and the creator of Battlestar Galactica. I'm, I'm interested that you didn't see that, that connection. So when you're watching BSG, you're actually watching your old writer writing for a new cast. That's what you're watching. And you're watching yeah. all the battle pains that he made on Deep Space Nine on Battlestar. So when I see Battlestar, I see Deep Space Nine all written all over it, personally. Now, well, I guess here's my question. Have you, right. what? I guess you're right on that. Like I, I wouldn't have put that together until you told me. Totally yeah, you know, a lot a, a lot of people haven't, but DC9 is one of those shows to me that it's really overlooked by a lot of people. They really mm-hmm. look at, uh, you know, Voyager, Enterprise, you know, the, the Treks and what have you, but Deep Space Nine had a really relevant issue in the Star Trek world because it had a lot of war, had a lot of battles, had a lot of fights, oh, yeah. had a lot of complications, and a lot of religion. Yeah, that was. it seemed like it was nonstop battling. There was always a lot of action going on. And I think, like you said, it was overlooked. Um, a lot of people I talked to, they're like, oh, well, a lot of people overlooked it because it was set on the station and it wasn't right. as much, like, traveling and stuff. But, you know, I still think it was great. I think I was told that um, I started filming Voyager, like, halfway through Deep Space Nine. Is that correct? You know that? Yes, yes. Yeah, so yes. I was told that, that, and then that was also a reason why people started to, like, kind of, they started watching Voyager and kind of lost touch with Deep Space Nine because Voyager was created, like, halfway through it. So people kind of, like, Those were always very interesting as a young person to see that, you know, and, and for everybody who's listening in right now, go back and watch Deep Space Nine. You're really missing, the last three three seasons were excellent were excellent. And if you look at any of the other Star Trek shows, as periodic as they are, they're fantastic, but they're more fragmented. Deep Space Nine really yeah. does take place in a storyline. Yeah, and like it, it all ties together in that from beginning to end. It, it, all, it definitely all comes together, which is great. Right. So tell me, what do, you, what do you like about BSG? What do you like about Battlestar? Because obviously there's a tie between the worlds, of, of both of your worlds. What do you like about Battlestar that, that draws you in? Um, I think it was the Cylons, the secret Cylons. I always I always think, I'm like, what if I'm secretly a Cylon and I have no idea? <laughs> you know, because there's the one character, the Asian girl. I, now I can't remember her name. Grace Park. Um, Grace Park. Yes. I can't she, remember yeah, her name. Yeah, she, she, oh, she played, um, oh my gosh, I'm going flat. That's, <laughs> but yeah, it's that's Grace Park. I, but go ahead. Yeah, Grace Park. Um, she had no idea that she was a Cylon, and so I'm always oh. like, "What if that? What if that's me? What if I'm a Cylon and I have no idea? And one day I'm just going to get like switched on and turn into some crazy Cylon right. robot." And I always thought right. that was really cool. That's like one of my favorite aspects of it. Like we're living amongst amongst creatures that look and feel and do everything like a human does, yet you have no idea right. that they're actually robots and they can be regenerated on some crazy spaceship that's in the middle of nowhere, you know, and they have, like, backup right. replicas and everything, and the whole aspect right. of this show is phenomenal to me. 
So, so when I when I look at uh, Star Trek, uh, when I look at uh, um, Deep Space Nine, when I look at the Cylons, I look at the people who can regenerate or the people who can shapeshift as being the Cylons. Oh yeah. And then like Odo right? and, and then we, exactly Odo and his people and the war that they started. And then when you look at uh, some of the some of the some of the things that were interrupted inside of Deep Space Nine, the religion, the sci-fi, the biology. The, the you know all those different aspects were in Battlestar as well, so it's very interesting to see how both sh- both shows are very close. One's obviously in the Star Trek world, and the other one's more in the I would say in the Star Wars world almost. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that one's also set on planet or, or Battlestar is also set on planet Earth for the most most part. I think it's it, wait, yeah. oh no it's on is it on Earth or do they call no, it something else now? No, it, it, no, they're it's interesting because they're actually aliens looking for Earth. <laughs> That's and that's the interesting thing okay. about the show. Yes. They're, they're the 13th colony. They're like the colony that went out, uh, expanded outward. Didn't know, it's kind of like um, 100 years after Firefly. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they don't know where they came from anymore. They have to, they have to find their homeland. Which brings okay, me to my next question. Great. Since you like those other, uh-huh. other shows, do you watch Firefly? And have you ever watched that before? I've actually never even heard of that. Firefly by and Josh Whedon? No, see, I'm, I'm bad at these things. See, I, I don't have cable you, at my house. No? So I only watch you, things that are on, like, Netflix or HBO Go or streaming. Well, they, ha- they have Firefly on, on Netflix. You should watch it because you'd be excellent for the Joss Whedon universe. Excellent. Well, totally. You know, female, definitely. Well, absolutely. Well, you know, female characters that are incredibly strong are very rare, as you know it. You're watching mm-hmm. movies and shows right now that are having very strong female characters. I have very little doubt that that if you progress the way you're progressing now, that one day you will become that person yourself. So Thank it's you. very, it's very nice to see that evolution. Now, thinking about that as you know, and I hate to say that as a woman, but do you think about that? for the future of what you want to portray? Because you took time off of acting. You're going back into acting. You must have a thought pattern of what you desire. What is it you desire from going back into acting? Um, I definitely agree with the strong female role. I mean, usually you see, like, the damsel in distress, and it's always the woman that needs to be saved, and it's always twisted that way because that's just how culture and society is or has been. But I think now in, like, you know, times now that people are starting to realize, like, oh, well, women can stand up for themselves as well, and we need to show that and portray that. And I think that's definitely something I would be interested in doing. And definitely, like, I I mean, sure, it'd be fun to play damsel in distress, why not? But I'd rather be a strong female character or a strong female lead in anything. But, you know, you got to kind of take what you can get in the beginning, at least. Well, you're, well let, let's go off to what you're going off right now. So the next thing you're working on is The Fifth Passenger, directed by Scott Baker, written by Scott Baker and Morgan Lurie. We, we, we had them on the show about about three weeks ago. Um, Doug Jones in the movie, too, Marina Sirtis, uh, Robert Picardo, Tim Russell. This is this is your old crew. These, these are your old yeah, people, Ryan T. Husk. A lot of them. So, so what was a lot it like? Of uh, so did they call you up and just say, hey, you want to be in a movie? Or... How did this whole um, thing happen for you? So, I like I told you, I went to the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. I think it was the very beginning of August. Um, that was the first time I had basically shown my face to the public, to like, you know the Star Trek sci-fi world in 16 years since Deep Space Nine ended. And 
one of the co-producers and also an actor that's going to be in Fifth Passenger, Ryan T. Husk, had, um, saw me there and messaged me on Facebook as well as LinkedIn. He kind of got in touch with me online and, you know, said, hey, I have this right. project I'm working on. I think you'd be great for this role. Let me know if you're interested. And, you know, we chatted a bit, and he sent me the script, and I read it, and I thought it looked awesome. So I was like, sure, why not? I'm on board. Sounds great. And that's just how it happened. It kind of just fell into my lap. Oh, that's awesome. So so <laughs> were you nervous when when you got that call? Were you, were you kind of like, oh, you know, I don't know? Or were you head ho, I want to do this right now? A little bit of both, actually, because I – a lot of my family members and friends were like, well, are you interested in getting back into acting? You know, since I stopped, all like, all of my aunts, uncles, my whole family, they always say, like, you need to get back into acting. You need to get back in, keep doing it, blah, blah, blah. And I was always just like, you know, all, um, you know, it's, it's something that I didn't necessarily want to jump back into right away. And it was like, well, right. if something came up to me and if someone approached me, I would see what it was and, potentially do it and that's what happened so i got really lucky with that how about your family asian families have a tendency to be very conservative were they were they head ho and yeah or you know what happened last time or what were they like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, i mean both of my parents were super super excited about it i told them and my dad i think more so wanted me to do i mean not I I wouldn't say more, but he expressed it more before that, you know, before Ryan even approached me. He kept telling me, like, oh, you should keep doing acting, like, keep doing that, blah, 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 get your face back out there. And my mom did the same as well, but a little bit less, not pushy, but she was just a little bit less adamant about it, I guess. But um, they were both super, super excited when I told them that I was going to be doing this and... They're very supportive. Honestly, whatever I want to do, they are happy with, as long as I'm happy, which is really nice. Well, that's nice. So, so they, they just supported you the entire way. So when, when mm-hmm. the show ended in, in D Space Nine, how, how did it end? It, was it like the end of your contract? Was it just, you know, the storyline is going to end now? Or how was it like? You know, actually, I don't really you know, remember. I, had, I don't remember, like, how it ended, really. I think... Because basically my mom was kind of like my manager. She kind of dealt with all of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And just eventually it was like, okay, well, this is the end of the show, and that's that. And I was like, okay, cool. And that was it. And we just kind of stopped. Right. That's interesting. And you just started focusing on school right after that? Basically, I mean, I was always in school, but just focusing on school and sports and other things. You know, I just led the life of the kids. I can be. Sure. Well, some people have a hard time going back to it. You know, it's interesting when you look at the character of Wesley Crusher in Star Trek Generations, he quit the show and he, he regretted it later on. It's it's very <laughs> interesting to see somebody, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where yeah. they actually put him in Nemesis and actually cut him from the film. And it's one of those things that a lot of fans are very upset about uh, because, yeah, sure. you know, Wesley Crusher was a huge part of that show. And I remember watching Deep Space Nine and 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 uh, Star Trek and seeing your character as a pivotal part of the show. This was Chief O'Brien's daughter, and all of a sudden she's just gone. <laughs> and I always thought that was a, a tad bit odd to me because you were a pivotal child character, a lot, a lot like Cisco's son. I mean, everybody has kind of a child yeah. except for Captain Picard, who you know they they roamed around with that. 
So you, you, you didn't go through any of that junk? Mm-mm. Not No. I never regretted a single thing. I always thought it was really a great experience, definitely. Awesome. Like, I don't look awesome. back at it and so you, say, like, oh, wow, I shouldn't have done that. Like, that was horrible. I just look back at it and think, like, how lucky I was to have been involved and to have landed yeah. that role. It sounds like a fantastic yeah, experience. Oh, it was for sure. And I actually didn't know until recently that I guess I was basically the youngest youngest character on Deep Space Nine until my brother was born. Yoshi really? Or Kiriyoshi? Oh, that's what his name was, Kiriyoshi. Yes. So until he was born, even though he didn't, I don't think he even had any speaking lines because he was only like two at the time. Right. But before that, I was apparently the youngest character, which was pretty awesome to think about. Yeah, you were. You know, it, it's it's interesting because in the Star Trek storyline, you know, at the beginning of the Star Trek world, like generations, next generation, when they introduced children, a lot of people were like, uh, I don't know if I want kids in Star Trek, dude. <laughs> and it really only it really only took like a season of of Patrick Stewart to just relax and for the cast to get into it and for us to understand that you know as being a family vessel this is way more interesting because there's way more at stake. And when you look at Deep, yeah. Deep Space Nine, these are the same thing. These surround themselves around children to kind of make everything more at stake. Did you feel that mm-hmm. as a child uh, that that that's kind of the show was focusing on children or there was a lot of children on the show? There were, I mean, there were a lot of children. I remember working with a few, but I didn't work with too many. I mean, most of them, I think, were just kind of, you know, they just kind of appeared in episodes here and there. I know um, my mom, Keiko, she was a teacher for a while, so they brought in, you know, children for that. But most of the time, I didn't really work with that many kids. I I mean, like, on my off time when we weren't filming, when I was actually just on the on the studio, like, during our breaks. I remember watching um, Sirac often playing basketball. Like, I would just, like, go and hang out with him because he was the only one that was close to my age, even though he was, what, maybe 10 years older than me. Right. But, you know, I had to entertain myself somehow, so I would just find him and be, like, <laughs> hanging out, watching him play basketball. So that was that was definitely fun. A little spoiled. That's awesome. Well, when when I look at you know the actor that you worked with, and, and this is to me, it's quite interesting because you look at Colmini as being you know Chief O'Brien. He's a huge star in Europe, huge. Not oh, to mention yeah. the fact that he's a big star in America as well. Um, when you went to go see him in Vegas, I mean, you must have seen him in films, you know, right after the show. I mean, he's he's yeah. everywhere. Uh, did you he's when you saw him? Did, in... did you? Did I get him first? I was, sorry, I, was, I, I was saying, I was saying, you must have seen, no, 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 that's the way radio works. Uh, so you, you, you must have seen him in a thousand movies before, and then when you saw him again, did, did you have a little bit of status shock when you saw him, or did, did, did it kind of reflect on you that this guy's a, a bigger star than the Star Trek universe even understands? Not really. I mean, like I know he's a huge star. He's definitely, you know, he's his name is definitely out there with a lot of people. Almost everybody that that I know knows who he is, but. Because I had worked with him for so many years, I don't think it came as a shock to me. I just saw him, and when I saw him again, it was just like, oh, hey, Dad, there you are. It's good to see you after so many years. So it hadn't changed. It was the same as it had really? been. Really? So, you know. so he, he, he went right back into treating you the same way or just like affection mm-hmm. immediately, right? 
Oh yeah, totally. It was it was great. It was really really good to see him again. Cause it had been so long. I had um I'd seen Rosalind, my fake mom, who played Keiko. I saw her like a couple years after Deep Space Nine ended in downtown somewhere. But then after that, that was like the only time I had seen her after. And it was still really awesome to see her. You know, we ran into each other in some parking lot in like little Japantown or something. Wow. And we're like, oh my God, hey, it's so good to see you. I think she was with her son and just like a little mini family reunion. But hopefully, wow. I think we were saying that Star Trek's 50th year anniversary is coming up either next yes. year or after. So they're trying to get um, myself, Rosalind, and Colm to go to the convention, the creation one that we did in Las Vegas. So they're trying to get us all three to go and do kind of a little family reunion thing, which would be absolutely fantastic. That would be amazing. Yeah, so what so do you do when you go to those conventions? Do you, do you sit in the panel and just get mobbed by human beings? <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, we did I did the panel. So I, I've done two conventions since August. The first one was the one in Vegas, and we did the Deep Space Nine panel, which was really cool. Um, nice. It's just it's definitely nerve-wracking because I haven't been on stage in front of thousands of people basically ever. Um, yeah. But it was really cool. You know, you, there's so many lights on you. You just kind of just block out the crowd in a way, <laughs> even though you're supposed to be focusing on them. There's, you know, there's the, the host who's asking you questions, and you just roll with it. That, so we did that, and you do some photo shoots, some autographs, and I just walked around and kind of talked to people and hung out and made friends. Fun. I mean, definitely a good experience. And then the one in the last, the last most recent one that I did was in London. It was Destination Star Trek, and yes. that one was cool. I did um, two panels. It was two panels with Susie Plaxon and Alice Krieg. I think her name. I can't pronounce oh, yeah. her last name. Kirby Krieg. I think it's Krieg. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did two panels. Yeah, we did two panels. It was the women of Star Trek. So that was really awesome to be included in that. Wow. They're both amazing, amazing women and amazing actresses. So that was really, really cool. That's cool. London must have been nuts because those, those guys wouldn't see you in LA. So, uh, Mm -hmm. they only see you in London. So they must have went even crazier than the people in, in, in America. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was really awesome. And actually, somebody told me that they liked my accent, and I was like, "Wow, cool, thanks." So I always thought, you know, Thank American accents. Yeah, American accents are so blah and boring, at least in my opinion. Yes. You know, for us, like we, I go to London and I'm like swooning over all these accents, and then someone tells me they like mine, and I was like, "Wow, really? Okay, thank you. <laughs> like, I'll take it. A little bit strange, but yeah. thank." You. I'm imagining all the questions and all the redundant questions like, uh, you look so different. What have you been doing lately? What have you been doing since? I'm thinking about all the, the, the questions that could be asked that it's like, can you please stop asking me the same questions? But what are some questions that somebody, that people ask that are, that kind of caught you off guard a little bit? Um, caught me off guard. Well, somebody yeah. actually, so there's these, a group of guys that were filming, I think they were just like filming the convention and walking around and asking people questions. And they came up to me and we did a brief interview. And one of the guys asked me, he was, he was actually all about the dating scene in like the Star Trek sci-fi world. And he was like, you know, what would you what? tell somebody 
to, you know, like, what advice would you give a guy that's looking to get laid in a sci-fi world, like, who's a nerd? And I was just like, uh, like, in my head, I'm like, okay, this is really, really awkward. Right, like, oh, my gosh. Um, I was just like, you know, just be yourself, have fun, have a good time. Like, I, I didn't really know. Like, it totally threw me off. I was like, really? You're asking me how to get laid right now? Like, I'm not the person you like, should be asking about this. I, I thought they were going to be hitting on you or something. I thought they were going to be hitting on you or flirting with you. Instead, they're asking you how to how to generally get get girls in, yeah. in the, the download. That's a strange question. It was totally weird, and it was it was just like while we were sitting, I was sitting at the the autograph booth, and they just came up to chat, and then um, a few seats away from me was Aaron Eisenberg, and him and I were hanging out most of the convention because he's a really, really nice guy. And after they left, he was like, you know, you should have said something absolutely obscure, like you should probably get a hot dog and a can of Coke and blah, 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 <laughs> something crazy. So like, I probably yeah. should have said that. Like, <laughs> But it threw me off so much so awesome. I just really didn't know what to say. Like, how, how should I get laid? Like, I don't know. Go get a hot dog. Like, what do you want me to tell me? Do what, do what you do in, the, your, in your past lives. You go to prison. You'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that was probably the most interesting. Wow. I'll be honest with you. I did not expect that answer. I'll be honest. When I was asking the question, I did not expect that to come out of your mouth. I expected something like, you know, would you marry me or something like that. But asking the Dalai Lama, how do do I make more money is such a strange question. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, you just got to do it. Just go out there and do it. Don't ask me. Why you ask, if you have to ask me, then you have more trouble than just asking questions, bro. Exactly. I was like, uh, I mean, I'm not the best at dating, so I don't know what to tell you. Just be yourself. Have fun. Don't but worry you know, about you it. Will have, you will have trouble because as, as, a, <laughs> as a sci-fi goddess in the future, people will be so afraid of you. They won't even want to come close to you. So you have to literally smack men in the back of the head to get them interested in you. That's, that's how it will work. Oh, no. Well, I already have a hard time as it is, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> you know, yeah, I remember going to a party years and years and years ago, and the princess from Braveheart was there. And it was a, a party for, called uh, the, the Death of Ren and Stimpy, and my, my friends used to work on it. And she was walking around, and everybody was ignoring her. She's like six feet tall, literally six, six, six feet tall. And I just walked up to wow. her, and I'm like, wow, you're, you're, so, you know, you're so beautiful. You know, it did help that I was drinking. But <laughs> like, why are you so? And this this is literally twenty years ago. I'm like, you're so beautiful. She's like, thank you so much. She goes, you've got a lot of a lot of cojones. I'm like, why is that? She goes, no man over here will talk to me at all. I'm like, really? She's like, no man will talk to me. It's really really strange. I try to talk to men and they turn turn away. Do you have that problem? Do you have the problem with guys? Uh, if especially if a guy recognizes you. Um, I I guess a lot of people. I don't know, like. Uh, a lot of times, like, after I become, I have a lot of guy friends. I have mainly guy friends. I get along with them better for some reason. Well, I grew up with an older brother, so I was kind of a tomboy growing up. I always did what he did. I played hockey and skateboarded and did all this crazy stuff. I mean, he used to go paintballing. So I have a lot of guy friends, and after becoming closer with them, they would tell me, like, you know, you were very intimidating when I first met you. Like, I almost didn't want to talk to you. And I just never really understood why, because I'm so tiny, and I'm, I, I seem like I'm I feel like I look kind of friendly. I have people randomly come up to me all the time, but, you know, everybody 
not everybody, but a lot of my friends were like, yeah, you were definitely intimidating. Like, I almost didn't talk to you when I first met you. And I was like, wow, okay, that's, that's very interesting. And I mean, I guess I, I can, I'm not necessarily the friendliest person when you first meet me, because I always tend to have a guard up a little bit, but... You do. Well, why, why is that? Why do you why do you have a guard? Is that because of old acting thing? Is is that an, is that a a family thing? What what is that that you put up a guard? Because well, most of us put up a guard. Let's be honest. But why mm-hmm. do you particularly put, put up a guard? Um, I just I just have a hard time trusting people. So mm-hmm. I just it takes me a while to like get comfortable and let myself go with certain people. So I'll always have some kind of guard. I kind of watch watch who I'm talking to and what I say for the most part. That's kind of why unlike I mean, most I, people. <laughs> unlike most right. people who don't for themselves at all. I mean, yeah, get me drunk exactly. enough and yell at loose, but I tend to. I mean, I don't drink too much anyway, so I, I tend to just yeah. lay low. I'm, I'm more of an observer when it yes. comes to that kind of stuff. At, but I usually, at five feet tall, I can't imagine a lot of alcohol doing much to you. I, I see a symbol of, of alcohol <laughs> getting you toasted. You know, for some reason, my body can handle a decent amount. I don't know what it is, really? but obviously not Polish, as much maybe? as somebody, maybe, and I mean, the Japanese, like my dad doesn't drink, but his entire family are definitely very heavy drinkers, so like, yeah. maybe it's just in my blood or something, I mean, I don't, I obviously can't <laughs> drink somebody under the table that's two times my size or even a little bit bigger than right. me, but I can, I can right. hold a decent amount, surprisingly. Hmm. I think uh, you and I and some Klingons at a, at a Trek convention should take it to the to the course. We will challenge <laughs> people to a drink off at the convention, <laughs> and watch a five foot little you know Russian Polish Japanese girl will win over all these guys. You'll see. Oh god, that would be so funny. That would be hilarious. <laughs> all right, I'm on. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to make that happen. Challenge. I promise. Drinking challenge <laughs> hey, on, I'm, the I'm pa- you- on the surgic panel. Yeah, All right, Mr. Stewart, take this drink. All right, three, so, two, so, one, let, shot, go. <laughs> what I want to see All him right. say is like, engage, and then we just drink. We just drink all fast. That sounds like a great plan to me. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay, I'll make it happen. So so let's <laughs> talk about, I'm thinking, you know what's serious? I'm actually thinking about how I can make that happen right now as I'm talking to you, which is actually frightening. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about it right now. Like, how can I make that happen? Uh, so let's get to the fifth passenger. I, I really want to talk about this film. So the fifth passenger is, is being filmed right now. It's about five crew members are forced into an escape pod built for four after a starship is destroyed. There's a rescue team coming up. There's, there's a whole – there's basically a drama within a spaceship. And you've got yeah, a lot of Star Trek veterans in it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. A very tiny spaceship at that. Yes. But you have a this is a this is really a gigantic cast. I mean, considering the fact that it's it's taking place in a small spaceship, this is this is a pretty impressive cast. Uh, Doug Jones, if nobody nobody knows who Doug Jones is, Doug, Doug Jones was actually uh, the character in Hellboy. He wasn't actually mm. able to act as yeah be the voice in the first mo- movie, but Guillermo del Toro fought for him to be the voice in the second film uh, of yeah. Hellboy, and then he's also yeah. yes. And also Pat Labyrinth, he also pay, plays a pan, and he had to learn he had to learn Spanish for that film. I don't know if anybody remembers that because I don't know if they, but I don't know if they remember that. But I love that film so much. Yeah, he had to learn Spanish for that film. That was incredible. 
So Doug Jones is incredible. And you have Marina Sirtis in there, Robert Picardo, which was the hologram in, in, in Voyager, which is excellent, mm-hmm. uh, Tim Russ. And, and what's interesting, I can't say his last name, but Manu, what's his last name? How do you Manu, say that? yeah, I... I honestly, I've been trying to, like, <laughs> I've watched, the, I've watched the little, like, thing, the little, um, I don't know if you call it, like, the trailer for Fifth Passenger where he appears, and I'm try, I've listened yes. to, I've only watched his part, like, just to hear him say his last name, just so I can pronounce it, and I still can't get it. It's, you know, he caught me. Like, Interiami, Interiami, he plays Thompson, he caught me way off guard, because when when I first saw him, I thought to myself, this is the only guy I don't recognize from the Star Trek world or from, from any acting period. And then I kept on looking at his face. I didn't look at his IMDb. I kept on looking at his face. And he's the kid from Voyager who was captured, who was captured by the, 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 the crew from, from the Borg. So he was one of the Borg uh, captured and rescued Borg children. So I thought that was very odd because they were... They were a very cool, cool cast, and he's one of the cast members that stayed on till the very, very end, the very last episode. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah, very I, interesting. You, you have, very interesting. No, it's totally interesting, and I don't. Yeah, I, I didn't actually recognize him either. But then looking back at it, I mean, you know, you you watch rewatch yeah. episodes, you're like, oh, that's who he is, and that's what he's right. Playing. Yeah, right. That's it's amazing. It's I mean, the fact world. that. Yeah, it's one of those worlds, and it's it's amazing the fact that they have gotten so many Star Trek actors to be a part of this film, which makes it even more exciting for me. You know, it just shows me that it's going to be that much better. The fact that they're all willing to do this, and we're all excited about it as well, and to be working on this together, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Does that give you some comfort? Does that give you some comfort to know that people from the same universe are there with you? Oh, 100%. Like, I... I before the last convention, I had spoken with Ryan Husk about this, but I didn't, I, you know, I didn't put my foot down and say, yeah, I'm going to do this. So it was kind of just like a out in the air, like you know, I may or may not do this role. And then after I left the convention, I, I signed on, and then I realized all of these actors that I was with at the convention are going to be also in it. And had I known before the convention, I would have talked to them more about it. But oh. I unfortunately didn't. And, you know, I should have should have signed on before the convention and been like, "Hey, are you excited about this show?" You know, it would have been better also to promote. But you know, we're still promoting. So you it. went to the convention. Not, you went. You went to the convention not being part of the project, not knowing mm-hmm. that the people you were going to be in contact with were part of the project. You became exactly. part of the project, and then realized as you left, these guys are in the same movie I'm in right now. Yeah, totally. That's what happened, and I mean, like. I was hanging out with a lot of them. I mean, we had our huge green room, and that was our only, like, calm, quiet refuge from all the fans, and I, we would all just be hanging out, and I had no idea that any of them were going to be in the film as well. I, mean, I was with Tim Russ and Marina Sirtis and Robert Picardo, and I think those were the three that were there at the convention with me, but I, I really just had no idea. And now I was like, shoot, now I should have, like, had I known, I would have, you know, engaged with, with them more. And, but right. in due time, I'll be, I'll be working with them and we'll be having a blast. So. Oh, absolutely. How was it like seeing, seeing that cast again, Barbara Picardo and Marina Sirtis, obviously part of the same universe? Did, did it feel like, you know, being part of the same family or did it feel like, how did it feel for you? 
definitely part of the same family. I mean, I didn't work with any of them that much, actually. I don't even know. I'm trying to think of when I would have worked with them. Because um, I, was, I was only in, I think, 12, 12 episodes yeah. total. But just mm-hmm. the fact that we're involved in the same universe is very comforting right. for me. You know, so I'm not that's like awesome. just this random person that's like, in, <laughs> you know, like I actually have some connections to people that are also going to be in this and amazing people at that. It, it, it's okay. really amusing to me because your your IMDb doesn't even have a picture yet, which is hilarious to me. Like, you know, <laughs> it'll, yeah, be, it'll be well, it'll be filled in a year, and a year from now, it'll just be jam packed full of stuff. Right now, it's just <laughs> kind of uh, so. you don't have a picture. I'm like, oh, nobody even knows what you look like right now. No, I mean, like, like you can Google you, me, but it's all pictures of me like yeah. crying on Kitchen Nightmares, which is absolutely horrible. Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, so um, my do, do dad, my, my family restaurant. Well, we can talk about it. I don't care. My family's restaurant. Okay. So we had um, my dad had Sushiko, which was up in Bel Air for most of my childhood, and then we moved it down to Thousand Oaks, where it was closer to our house um, in Southern California. And we opened it basically when the economy was totally crap, like it was like at its worst at the time. Right. 2005-ish is when we opened. And we were doing really good in the beginning because then, you know, restaurants are just so hard. It's like one of the hardest businesses to keep up. And it was just this, the whole situation. Like the, the location was bad and it was just not good. So I think my mom had seen some kind of ad for Kitchen Nightmares and she was like, oh, I'm going to send something in and write them a letter and see what happens. And they decided to pick our, our restaurant and our family to be featured in an episode and nice. I'm a cancer my my sign is a cancer I'm totally emotional like all the time and especially when it comes to my family you know I'm, I'm very family oriented and yeah. they just <laughs> during the interviewing processes of like filming on the show on Kitchen Nightmares they would just ask me such personal questions and I was just, I just couldn't I was crying like, almost the whole time and so that's something I look back and I regret. Definitely not the Star Trek ah. thing. But that's one ah. thing I'm like, oh, my God, if I could have just held it together for the damn camera and not be crying the whole time, then it, <laughs> it would have been less happy about it. It, it, it makes me laugh looking maybe, back at it, you know. It's funny. But. Maybe, maybe audiences were waiting for you to, like, grope for the Oscar after that, maybe. Maybe, maybe they, they thought that was your Oscar, your Oscar treading, you know. Yeah, that was just so that's me interesting. Asking, no, I was literally crying the whole time. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. When I when I was going through, you know, when I was researching some stuff, I did see an image, but I I just kept on passing it through because I couldn't, I I didn't imagine that that was you for a second there, so I just kept on going through that. But so Kitchen Nightmares would be something that that you re, you regret in your mind. <laughs> so was that? <laughs> yeah, in a way. And you cried a lot in the oh. episode, unfortunately. Those. Uh, we'll yeah. get him. We'll get Gordon Ramsay in that drinking contest, and we'll, we'll get him oh. in there. It's son of a gun. You know, I have a feeling he might might beat us though. He's a big guy. With a he's stick. Really... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but he's actually really nice off camera. Like, it's he's yeah. totally a great actor. You know, once the camera, once they say action, he's one hundred percent the biggest asshole ever. But right. you say cut, and then he's just like a. Teddy bear. He's a sweetheart. So it's, it's really? amazing to 
yeah. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. Like, I, I didn't expect that. But, you know, working with him and then him behind the scenes, like, it's totally, he he's just acting basically the whole time. Like, he's just being a dick. <laughs> he's great really? at so he's, he's yeah he's doing he's doing a Howard Stern thing so he's just he's just wow. putting putting on a show. Mhm. He's totally totally wow. a sweetheart off camera, and it wow. blew my mind. I didn't realize you know like I I wouldn't have expected that, but once you say cut, he's just like starts smiling and laughing and joking around, <laughs> and that was really cool. Great to be able to what? to meet him, work with him. But it was That's, a weird he's incredibly successful in the world of, of culinary arts. Uh, when, oh when, you're, when you had that, sh- right? I mean, when you had him come down to, to your, your family's restaurant, did you did you get that rush again of that that, that Hollywood world, that that world of lights and cameras and action and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really it, it was cool to bring it back. I mean, it was different in the sense that it was um, what do you call it? like reality TV, so it wasn't right. There was nothing really set up. Like, we didn't have lines, and we didn't have, like, a story. It was just, like, it just was what it was. Like, they just had cameras everywhere, and they'd be like, all right, you're going to do your thing, and we're going to film you. And it was it was right. really interesting. But, you know, it wasn't something out of the norm for me since I had been behind the camera before. It was just a right. different different part. Like, different. I don't know how to explain it. Like, different... I understand. I understand. I so and I and you know before, when I woke up this morning, I you know with daylight savings time, I, I realized that this is probably your first interview in a lo- very long time. So I, I was going to take it a little easy, but you've been going on for an hour and twenty minutes talking. So that's pretty awesome. I got to be honest with you. So, mm-hmm. so Gordon, usually, Gordon, you use it right. Now, how many interviews have you, <laughs> have you done? Many radio interviews or, or TV interviews um, since your since your. Somehow return? Nope. This is the first one. Yeah. You've broken my, oh. you've popped my interview cherry. Oh, okay. Congratulations. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you very much. That's what I'm here for. So, <laughs> going back, going back <laughs> to Gordon, because I want to hear more about, about, a little bit about Ramsey here. So, he usually leaves the kitchen in better condition than he leaves it. Did he do mm-hmm. anything special for your for your family restaurant before he took off? Yeah, I mean, he, he created a, some amazing dishes. He also helped us purchase a lot of new equipment, um, a lot of amazing, expensive stuff. Um, he kind of redecorated the whole place as well. My brother's a photographer, so he, he took a bunch of my brother's cool. photos from Japan, and he blew them up, and he decorated the place with his photos, and he just made the place beautiful. And it, for a while, it did good, but unfortunately, just the whole, like, the, the area that we were in and, like, the financial circumstances, we just ended up yeah. actually closing before the episode even aired. So it really, really yeah, it didn't even, I mean, the episode aired and then we were already closed and then we got a bunch of people being like, hey, what happened to Sushiko? We want to come visit, blah, blah, blah. And then, so unfortunately the timing was off, but he did help a lot, you know. I mean, for the short period of time he helped and he was, you know, he did he did his job, I would say. Right. He did right. it well. Because a lot of people- so a lot of people have certain opinions about him and the show. I, I personally like the show very much. I especially like the European version of the show because he's a little mm. nicer in Europe. I think it's just a European thing because Europeans will will actually fight you in a different way than Americans. Americans fight back <laughs> like almost in a physical way. It's very strange. Yeah. But in Europe, yeah, like, in Europe, in your face and yell at you. Yeah, it's more of like a verbal as opposed to like a physical argument. Yes. I guess. <laughs> 
I, I imagine why why nobody's ever punched Gordon Ramsay in America, but in Europe, it, you know, I can't imagine it. Except for one woman in in Hell's Kitchen, they almost battered him in the face. That was hilarious. Oh, I don't gosh. know if you've ever seen that episode, but no, I haven't. But I I feel like Hell's Kitchen. He's probably. I mean, I don't know. I, it's a little bit different, obviously, because he's controlling the kitchen. Yes. I feel like Hell's Kitchen is yes. way more intense than Kitchen Nightmares is. I mean, it especially because a, a lot of chefs, are, they just have, they're so passionate about what they do, and you give them criticism, and they're like, F you, like, blah, 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 and they'll, like, bite your head off. So it's, it's right. definitely a different world. It is. I mean, I, I like MasterChef myself. It's, it's one of my favorite shows. Cause I, I love watching home cooks putting things together, cooking, enjoying themselves, having good collaboration. But I also like like Project Runway. And if I want to oh watch gosh, something I stupid, I'll watch like... Uh, did you like Project Runway? Mm-hmm. It's absolutely amazing. It's one of my, I'm still actually surprised that it's been on for like, what, 10 years? I don't even know how long, but it has I didn't been. realize... Did, has it been 10 years? It has. Have you seen? Uh, did you see this season? I watched like the very end of the season with one of my friends, like streaming it, but I haven't caught up with everything. I used to religiously watch it in high school and like I would be at my ex-boyfriend's house and, or like any of my friend's houses and someone would come up to me and I'm watching it. I'm like, you guys need to shut up right now. I am busy. I'm making it work. Okay. Just stop talking. I got to focus. They're putting stuff together now. This guy over here is draping. This guy over here is tearing up. So everybody just shut up, please. Everybody shut up because there's already enough drama going on. I can't deal with yours. Please. That's right. Oh. I want to hear fake crying like on TV. I don't want to hear real crying. If you're real crying, go to the bathroom, please. <laughs> I don't have time for this. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm totally that. I love, love, love that show. And I also like uh, with, that, uh, with the modeling show called uh, on CW, Tyra Banks. Oh, oh. I love uh, that show. I don't know what it's called. America's, next, totally top know America's yes. next Top Model. That one's still yes. going? That... Oh, my yes. God. Yes. It's still going on. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> if you want to know, <laughs> it's the most awesome thing in the world. If you ever want to know how old you are, watch that show, and you'll be like, wow, I'm I'm growing up. The girls that are, like, the models that they have on there, usually, I mean, models start so young. I like, what, yeah. 14, 15 Yes, and they can. dress them up. They make them look like they're thirty, and it it blows my mind. I'm like, how? Yes, you're only like fifteen. How do you have so many curves? How do you do that? It's very, it's very strange. You know, I I grew up with a girl that was was Eurasian, and, and everybody used to call her names when we were kids. And she's she's a big model in Tokyo right now. But that it just oh, wow. it just so happened that people are just genetic freaks. You know, they just they just grew up <laughs> gorgeous and. <laughs> it, yeah. You know, my, my dad, you know, I'm first-generation American, so my dad used to tell me all the time when I was a kid, do not call any girls ugly because those girls will grow up to be beautiful and then you're going to regret it. And then I used to see <laughs> boys called, you know, like model girls, like when they're young because they look weird and they look like aliens. So I used oh, to see yeah. boys call them ugly or whatever, and then they grow up to be the most gorgeous girl, and you're like, see, stupid. That's the same person? How did that happen? Now, did you have that issue yourself? Because you you look you look the same, and quite different than you did as a child. But to me, you look pretty close. Did you have that thing too when people saw you? Like, oh my gosh, like that's quite a drastic change between this and that. You know, I I honestly don't think I look that different. I think I just look more grown up. 
I still have the bangs and the long hair, so I still have like the same hairstyle, and I'm only about five feet again, so I, it's, I haven't really grown too much. Um, right. I mean, I guess I do get people that are like, "Wow, you you're grown up! Like it's this is you! Wow, that's crazy!" But I don't think I look such. I don't think I have such a drastic change as some people do. Right. At least in my personal. Well, and we, but I, I mean, that's just how I see myself. But I, I hopefully don't, we're going to see Will in the fifth passenger. I'm sorry? Hopefully Say we'll see again? Will soon in the fifth passenger. Oh, yeah. We'll see. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it'll be great. You know, it's going to be a great film. I'm definitely nervous about filming, but it's going to be awesome. I mean, everyone's going to be – I mean, everyone's already really supportive of it. So We have a fan on right now that, that wanted, to, wanted to speak to you. So here we go. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the air. Uh, yes, hi. This is a message for a uh, a question for Hana. Hi, Hana. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. In uh, season five, uh, episode twenty-four, Chief O'Brien goes to Empak Nor and to get the the materials that he needs. As you well know, what, mm-hmm. why couldn't they just use the replicator? And also, could the replicator do iridium? And what other kinds of uh, materials could they use uh, there? You know, I don't where where did you say that he went to get the materials? Uh he went to Empok Nor, which was uh like a duplicate station for Terok Nor, Deep Space Nine, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not sure why they had to do that. Maybe they were just trying to make it a little bit more dramatic in a way. You would think that I think maybe the replicator <laughs> for some reason just couldn't produce the material that he needed. I mean was it's technically kind of like a 3D printer. You think it would make anything that you wanted it to, but I think maybe they were just doing it for dramatic reasons, just to make the story right, a little a bit. That's a pretty good exciting. answer. That's a pretty good answer. Yeah. Good job, Anna. This is Ryan. How you doing? Oh, hi, Ryan. How's it going? Oh my God! <laughs> I couldn't hold. I just want to test you. That a bit. was pro- that was the Wait, funniest was thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That's <laughs> Ryan T. Husk right there. Uh, you freak. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a oh new microphone you it well. I mean, so hard. Oh my you god! You handled it no. well under pressure. Good job. Uh, god, you're such a jerk. Oh, I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I'm gonna go with it anyway. <laughs> you answered that like a pro. I got you. You should be a politician. <laughs> well, you know, I think the reason why the trickle down economics works this way is because uh, um, replicate. <laughs> it's me BSing, but it, did, I, did it work? You it worked for one it? second. You didn't for one <laughs> second say, uh, dude, that's just a really weird question. Right? <laughs> that's, I thought she was going mean, to thought she was gonna say, um, bro, are you taking the show a little too seriously right now? I thought so, but no. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a weird question. But, oh, my gosh. I was, you know, you got to... <laughs> Work with what you got. Wow. No, oh my God, so Ryan, you're making me laugh. We have, a, we have a line, Ryan. <laughs> While you're here, please t- t- tell us about The Fifth Passenger and tell us about how Hannah's going to play uh, an important role in this film. Yeah, uh, well, Fifth Passenger, as many people know, is predominantly about uh, five people that are in an escape pod that's made for four. And the reason they're in an escape pod is because their ship has blown up on their way to another planet, um, and they're going to another planet for safety because it's called there a volcano on Earth has gone off, 
and basically rendered most of the planet unusable. So anyway, that's the uh, the whole premise to it. Now, um, Hana, the reason we chose Hana is because she's obviously got, got a great look for sci-fi. She's already part of the sci-fi family. Uh, she's going to be... I don't, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but she's going to be in an extremely pivotal, pivotal scene right now uh, that we've got written for her, and I think I think she's going to nail it. What do you think, Hannah? I think, at least I hope I'm going to nail it. I'm going to do all <laughs> the best that I can. I'm going to put all my efforts into it. It's going to be awesome. I promise. That sounds I awesome. No, I, I can't let you go without you telling us first who's directing, who wrote it, who's starring in it, and then let's talk about that Kickstarter program because you only have about, what, five more days left on the thing? Yeah, I believe it's five days, exactly. Uh, we've got uh, Morgan Lariah and Scott Baker that wrote uh, this movie. Scott is going to be directing, and both of them are also producing the film. Um, nice. And uh, what was the second part of that question? I didn't feel like that was a three-part question, the third being the Kickstarter. What was the second part, the, the meat of the sandwich? Uh, the writing, the directing, who's going to star in it, and then... Uh, the oh, Kickstarter starring, program. yes. Well, we've got the, the glorious and delicious uh, Doug Jones, my bestie of besties, who's uh, from Silver Surfer. Uh, he played two yes. characters in Pan's Labyrinth, Khan and the uh, hand-eye guy that was really creepy. Uh, he also played... Uh, he's also like the main alien coach. He's in Falling Skies. He's Abe Sapien in uh, Hellboy. We've also got a bunch hey, of Star Trek alums. Yes. Ryan, did you, did you remember that in uh, Abe Sapien in, in the Hellboy movies that he was not allowed to do his own voice in the first film? That was which you know, name from Frasier? Yeah. You know, when I first saw that movie in the theaters, I immediately pegged it as, who is it, David Hyde Pierce, I think his name is? I was like, okay, right, exactly. there's no way... That, that that's not David Hyde Pierce. But that was like, right. but that doesn't look like David Hyde Pierce's frame right. and body, you know? <laughs> and so then I looked in the uh, in the credits, and I don't even think his name was credited in the, the after, in the, the, yep. the post-credits. And so I was very like, strange. but I was positive. Yes. No and then later on, Guillermo del Toro fought for him for to be the voice for the second time, and I was so happy for him because he was a great in Pad's Labyrinth. He's just really brilliant mm-hmm. at what he does. Brilliant. Yeah, he is, and that's why I'm on a mission from God to put him in every movie that I have any part of. I would. I woke up. I would. He's he's great. In... <laughs> oh no, wait, that's Moses, right? I don't know. Either way, yeah, I want him in just... all my movies. He's so great. So tell us about the Kickstarter program. We have five days left in the Kickstarter program. We have a week left. So this next week, we want everybody to just jump on this thing right away. How can we get in, in touch with it? How can we add money to it? How much do we need? Well, uh, the magical and brilliant Scott Baker, our director, has made it really easy to uh, direct people to our campaign by just going to uh, our website, which is fifthpassenger.com, which immediately redirects you to the Kickstarter page for the next few days until that campaign is over. So it's really easy. Just go to fifthpassenger.com, and it'll take you there. It's five days left. We're about... 90 or 91 percent funded with five days left so it Mm -hmm. looks like we're going to make it but uh what we do need is we don't want to just barely make it we need you know because every dollar that's going to go means that hannah is going to be able to eat lunch when she comes in you know because we don't want to have to just eat her fig newtons you know what i mean that's right (laughs) just trying to make me anorexic i see you guys (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, every every little dollar that we add is going to add to the production of the movie. Uh, it's going to make it better. Obviously, the effects better. It's going to uh, make the props better and feed us more delicious food. So you know, we don't really want to just barely skate by. Sixty-five thousand was the minimum we could do to film the bulk of the movie. Um, so we're hoping to to reach higher heights than that. So definitely just go to fifthpassenger.com and go from there and give us, you know, whatever you can. Nice. Well, we, before we let you go, yeah, I want to know, what what brought you to the inspiration to hire the lovely Hannah for the film? It, it, was there a major inspiration? Did you just see her and go, this girl is just perfect for this role? What was it like? Well, um, basically there was like a, a huge Facebook campaign called Cast Hana on Fifth Passenger, you know? <laughs> And they're like, wow. I think it was it was up to like twenty thousand before I finally caved and was like, all right, fine, you know. All right, but um, I'll do it. <laughs> no, really, what it was was, you know, I saw her on stage, honestly, and I was like, oh, you know, she's grown up. She seemed to have a, a fun and happy personality, which is, you know, it's good to find, you know, the humble actors and humble people because nobody wants to work with a right. diva. And I'm hoping that we're right. her before she gets into diva them. And right. uh, she. Had, she has a great look, great personality, and, you know, I told her this, is like, once you're part of the Star Trek family, the yeah. fans will follow you forever, and I think it would just be a right. crime not to, not for her to capitalize on that, because if she ever wanted to continue acting, or even if she just wanted to write a book, you know, the fact mm-hmm. that she's already been in Star Trek, that's the perfect conduit and vessel to uh, direct traffic, basically, into your next project, so... You know, I wanted to kind of be that bridge for her to to kind of start the next chapter in her career, and luckily she responded back to me eventually, and uh, <laughs> and then we just took it from there. That's awesome. That's, well, we all appreciate you bringing Hannah back into into the world of, of Star Trek. Like I was telling her before, I grew up watching her on Next Generation to uh, Deep Space Nine, mostly because yep. their characters were very different than other characters because. Uh, Chief O'Brien left one series to go to another series, which was actually quite uncommon. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. That's um, right. And I remember her being so right. sassy when she went back to Deep Space Nine. She would be like, "I don't want to draw a picture, Daddy." <laughs> <laughs> you were so sassy already. Uh, we were, you know. we were, we were talking about rewatching episodes. She was talking about her, her, her diva moment. Your diva moment was, was with Rumpelstiltskin, right? Oh gosh, yeah. We were talking earlier that one episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think any of I think any of us would have been creeped out by that guy, honestly. I know he was, he really was a creepy dude. <laughs> Seriously, with the you know, makeup, honest, oh my gosh. If you can handle Cork or that random alien guy that they always show, you know, that one extra yeah, with a big chin. More. More. Yes. Hang out in Corkstar. Yeah, that's hilarious. If you, if you could hang out by, by these guys, I, I can't see how you could be freaked out by anybody. Those those guys are the guys got ears as big as my face. Yeah, and I think I think Garrick too. I think Garrick was a nice, creepy guy. If you're a kid, oh, he was really cool. Oh yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, when you grow up learning with like the the 135th rule of acquisition, that's pretty that's pretty weird information to know. Yep. Yep. All right, so we got the starter program. We, we, we uh, no, So, Ryan, how can we reach you before we let you go? Uh, your Facebook page, your IMDb, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, just uh, Google Ryan Husk 
or Ryan T. Husk. And you can, you know, if you want to contact me on Facebook, that'll show up. Uh, you know, facebook.com slash Ryan Husk. Or uh, if you want to uh, contact me about business things, you know, like casting or uh, crew stuff, you can just email me at uh, theincrediblehusk at yahoo.com, something like that. Um, other than that, just go to fifthpassenger.com and go from there. Yeah, Hannah, did you notice that when Ryan starts talking about himself, he turns into like the Big Lebowski all of a sudden? <laughs> you know, you can find me on stuff and just type you know, my name. And, just figure it out, okay? Just give me a white Russian and join. Just be quiet already. Yeah, <laughs> Well, thank you, Ryan, so much for joining us today. I really greatly appreciate it. And I love that joke that, that actually made me spit out my Coke. <laughs> well, it was my pleasure. And I just wanted to get uh, Hannah warmed up for the big game, or Hannah warmed up for the big game, because let me tell you, next time it may not be a joke. You know, you're going to get those nine-part questions pretty soon. We'll be ready oh for them. Well, you're getting that's, me prepared. Apparently, hopefully I did a good job with that one. You were entering it. I give you like a, a solid A- minus on that, honestly. That was really good. Good job. What would have made you get an A- I want to know. What? How, how, do I, how do I improve my grade to get an A- plus next time? Well, you would have had to answer the question correctly, which is obviously <laughs> that Iridium cannot... No, I'm just kidding. No, you did great. <laughs> yeah, that was... We were all in on the joke, and I got to tell you that was that was pretty fascinating. So, Ryan, oh, thank yeah. you so much for joining us today, and have yourself a great weekend. My pleasure. I'm headed over to Kamikaze, so I uh, look forward to oh, some good pictures, and good promotion uh, from Fifth Passenger on that. Just go to Facebook.com/slash Fifth Passenger and enjoy the debacle and debauchery. <laughs> have a great you day, guys. To that audience. We got a huge audience Hi, listening in. Go, go find Ryan T. Huss. Go watch that movie that the Fifth Passenger when it comes out and. Get involved in the Kickstarter program. You can't watch movies you don't in, you don't uh, include yourself into. Thank you so much, Ryan. Call, Have a great weekend. And don't forget to call in and ask Hannah questions. All right, bye. <laughs> ask me <laughs> absurd questions, and I'll try to answer them. Ask, ask you. I was going to do that to you earlier until Ryan said he was going to do that, but I was I was definitely <laughs> going to ask you one of those jackass questions of like, why why was it? <laughs> I don't, so see how anybody could, I don't see how anybody could answer that question. <laughs> so, okay. So, <laughs> so we went we went down the whole entire storyline. So we so we went from childhood to teenage years to traveling to reintroducing yourself back into the acting career. Now, now the portion that I'd like to get into before before we get off because I don't, I don't want to I don't want to overdo this because uh having you is, is such a great thing, but what is the future for Hana? What do, you, what do you want for the future? Because obviously you have The Fifth Passenger coming up and other Star Trek fan films that they're going to just want to drop you into. Uh, but what do, you, what do you want for your own future? What do you see? Honestly, I'm still kind of figuring that out. Um, I'm, I stopped going to school to travel. So I'm still, I, I actually just started going back to school again, um, still at City College. And, I was going to get my degree in psychology, but now I'm kind of steering away from that because I don't really want to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist and feel like I have enough things to deal with with my my own brain that I don't want to have to, you know, talk other people through their stuff. But I'm still figuring out. I mean, I think acting would be absolutely fantastic if I can continue to grow as an actor and 
be successful, I would absolutely love to do that. So hopefully, you know, most more things will fall into my lap, and I'll be able to do some more stuff after Fifth Passenger. But we'll see. Only time will tell. You're very cute. You're very cute the way you talk. It's, it's funny. I love it when actors talk this way, especially when, they, when they're rising. It's like, oh, well, I don't know. It's like, okay. So I'll see you in like no, six months I... when you have eight movie deals? Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I guess we'll see what Fifth Passenger brings me in after that. And it's, you know, very we'll, just, we'll just see. Thank you. Well, <laughs> let, me ask you let me ask you a question. So you, you love shows, and I love shows. And I'm, I'm sure you love movies, too. Let's just say that this this year, there's movies there's movies coming out. Which movie did you see maybe in the past couple of years that you'd want to be a part of? That that you saw and you're like, I I could have played that character. I could have been in that film. I could have done that. Have you had that moment? Oh, in Harry Potter. Oh my God, I wanted to be Cho Chang so badly. So badly. You would have been perfect. That was. I was like, okay. I mean, I'm only half, so I don't look full Asian, and I, she's Chinese. Whatever. And she, I was just so upset. I was like, okay, I have to go to Europe. I have to go to London and I have to be able to get in this movie. Like I am obsessed with Harry Potter. And that was like the one role that I was like dying to be. But I mean, I really didn't try that hard. So, yeah. but that was definitely like, by far one. That girl, that girl's still alive. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> How dare she? That is so rude. How dare you? So you, so you, you saw that part and that's the part you wanted, huh? Yeah. Well, that was one of them for sure. Um, you know, I'd have to think about this a little bit more to figure out what How about any comic other roles. Any, any, are there any comic book films come out that you're like, hey, Black Widow, or, or any film that you saw that you could be inspired by or that you wanted to do on your own? Yeah, I know you like Japanese anime, like Paprika and what have you. I'm a huge anime yeah. fan myself, manga fan myself. And they're I about to they're about to cast uh, Ghost in the Shell. They're they're about to cast what? Ghost in the Shell. Oh, really? That was yes. cool. Yeah. You know, I'm. I grew up watching Studio Ghibli films, um, so any yes. Miyazaki film I absolutely love. I've been trying to work on a costume. I've been trying to make the Princess Mononoke costume. I have all the materials for it, and I have my sewing yeah. machine and everything. I'm just I'm too lazy to like put it together. So hopefully by next Halloween, <laughs> I'll have my costume set and put together. She's one of my favorite characters of all time. Minnoke Heim, I, I that is one that's one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, and she's just she's like her character. She's just so badass, and she's just so into what like she's so devoted to what she believes in, and I yeah. love that about her. The that's American what you get going back to the. Go ahead, yeah, you know it's funny. I never watch. I never watch anime in in English. I I feel bad doing that. So even right. though I'm, I don't yeah. speak Japanese, like I don't understand everything in Japanese, I definitely right. can hold a conversation. But I always watch the anime in Japanese with in English subtitles because I feel weird watching yeah. it in English. Well, it's a lot like it's a lot like the Japanese eating sushi with chopsticks. You know, it's it's, it's kind of a faux pas. You know, you really want to watch okay. an okay. original Sports? language. Yeah, with that. <laughs> It's like, hey, can I have a fork for this sushi, please? Oh like, my god! I know. It's like you can have a fork in your head. <laughs> yes, I'll show you a fork. Fork you. I'll show you a fork in your head. So, so you you love Japanese anime, and and Princess Mononoke was was or Mononoke High was definitely something that was or Studio Ghibli films was definitely something you were into. Any any Studio Ghibli films that you can see yourself playing as like maybe we're gonna make a 
Spirited Away or a Princess Mononoke movie tomorrow. Which which part do you see yourself playing in? What would you like to play? Ooh, I would definitely be Princess Mononoke, Mononoke Hime. Fan, I think is her actual name, S-A-N. I just think she's phenomenal. She's so strong. She's so badass. I would totally yeah. love to play a character like that. So if they were to make that into an actual film, not an anime film, then sign me up and I am in 100%. The Spirit of the Way is also it absolutely is. amazing. Well, that's a great film, isn't it? Yeah, I I like, um, I was actually watching an interview, a uh, Miyazaki interview, and he was saying that, like most of his films actually have female leads in them which yes. is great because a lot of, I mean, you know, we were talking about earlier, like, strong female leads, and he right. tends to write a lot of his films with strong female leads. And I think he had said, like, someone asked, like, well, why do you do that? Like, why do you usually have female lead characters? And he just says he just loves and appreciates women so much that he wants to portray that, you know, show the rest of the world how great women are. And I think right. that's absolutely fantastic. Miyazaki's an incredible creator. He's re- he retired uh, a year ago. His son is still making films mm-hmm. to this day. I believe he made this the movie about uh, the dragons called uh, Water and Water and Fire. I believe it's called. But I'm yeah, I love those right. films. Yeah, I don't think I saw that one, but definitely, I'm sure I would love it. I have like almost all of the Studio Ghibli films on DVD. I collect them. They're my favorite. It's like whenever I'm having a all bad right. day, I just go and watch one of them, and I'm like, all right. Well, that's incredible because I asked you earlier about strong female characters and what you'd like to play. And then when I asked you about anime, it obviously fit into the strong female characterization because what a lot of, I think a lot of men feel today or a lot of women feel today is that the characters in Japanese anime are not mm, fully fleshed out. But Miyazaki is one of those people that that absolutely flesh out female characters as being fantastic. Is that how you... Is that is that how you want your sci-fi future acting career to be like as a strong female? Because you did mention I wouldn't mind playing a, a you know a damsel in this distress, but it sounds like more like you're leaning towards lead acting characters mm. that are strong females. Yeah, I would definitely more so lead towards that or lean towards that. I mean, I said it would be fun to play a damsel in distress just because it would it, it would be fun. You know, it'd be an right. interesting experience, but I would rather play a strong female role or a lead role, something like that, like just to show the world, like women are important. We are strong, even though right. a lot of them, you know, a lot of people don't think that. Like we are strong. We are who we are, and <laughs> we just gotta we gotta show the world that. I believe so. You know, I, I think men who don't think of women as strong are men who've never had either a mother. Mm-hmm. Or have never been hit by a <laughs> shoe. <laughs> yeah, think, take it for granted. I think, I think most of us have been, been hit by a shoe in our lives and understand that women are incredibly powerful. <laughs> it, what's interesting, <laughs> when you look at like Chinese history, you know, they, only in China is the the phoenix a man, and and it goes to show like a certain opposition to female. But it's it's mm-hmm. very interesting because if you only had the dragon, you wouldn't have rebirth, you wouldn't have children, you wouldn't have life. So exactly. It's very interesting to have yeah. that attitude towards females. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I can't imagine, I mean, I haven't given birth to a child yet, but I've heard it is the most painful thing. And, you know, they say the equivalent for a male is getting kicked in the balls, but I don't think it's even close 
to the pain that you I don't feel that. during childbirth. Yeah. You know, I, would, I wouldn't know because I've never been kicked in the balls because I don't have them. But yes, um. I, don't, I don't think it's. I think it's equivalent to like to to like peeing out a, a watermelon. I think it's probably equivalent to that. You think? Oh, oh, that sounds bad. Yeah, I, I, I don't, like I don't, I don't even want to imagine. I'll be honest with you, I don't even want to imagine what it'd be like for a man. I mean, much less a woman, because it, it, that's horrible stuff. You know, yeah. women will kill you, uh, unlike the the birthing table. So <laughs> you did this, <laughs> I'll kill you. It's like, oh, I totally understand that. I will strangle you. Leave me alone. Get this baby out of me. <laughs> I know all the things that we've seen in our past lives. We've seen everything of like. Women wanting to kill that man. But, you know, the, what do the men do? The men just surrender and they go, whatever you want, which is yeah. the smart man. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, if she's going to be crazy, then let her get, let her, let her have her way. Then she'll turn around. That's also how I, right. Well, that's also <laughs> how I see a lot of the feature of you in Star Trek. I see, uh, see a lot of men supporting you as an actress. I see a lot of women supporting you as a, a, a Trek, you know, uh, icon. Soon, soon to be icon as well, because... Like I said before, the, the younger generation coming into the new world, especially Wesley Crusher's coming back as well, it's really nice to see. And I know there's fan films being made off of alternate universes and what have you, so that's that's all very, very interesting. Do you see yourself in, in the future of Star Trek yourself? I mean, even though you're doing The Fifth Passenger, do you see yourself somewhere in the future of, of these films or these, or these uh, project films or whatever you want to call them? Oh my gosh, yes. I think that would be absolutely amazing. It would bring back so many memories too and I would love to be involved in anything that has anything to do with Star Trek and I just love sci-fi in general as well. So sci-fi, fantasy, all that, I would I would die. It would be great. It would make me so, so happy. Like I, awesome. I can't even really explain how ecstatic I would be to be involved in more <laughs> stuff like that. Well, I, I doubt we're as excited as you are, but but we are we're extremely excited to have you part of this world. I mean, mostly because we know, you. you know, as as people who just watch, you know, just we're just watching the action. You're the player in the field. We know what we desire. We want more women in, in the field. We want more more women taking charge. Just like when you watch a Voyager and you see the captain is a woman. I mean, this is amazing stuff. I love this. Oh uh, yeah. Goes back to the Miyazaki thing as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. And speaking of Voyager, I just, oh, I met Kate, and I was like, I died. I was so excited to meet her, because I just finished watching Orange is the New Black, um, which is all about females, you know, it's all female leads in that, and I actually had no idea, so I I finished watching that, and then I I got contacted to do the convention, and then I was... With my mom, we were watching an episode of Orange is the New Black, and she was like, wait a minute, I think that's Kate Mulgrew. I think she was in Star yeah. Trek. And I was like, what? Yeah. I wonder if she's going to the convention. So we looked at the website, and she was, and I was like, oh, my God, that was like the only time I've ever been star tra- starstruck. Get out Even of though, here. Yeah, it, I was so nervous to talk to her. Even though, like, we have, we were involved in the same, you know, world, the same Star Trek yeah. world. I was just absolutely for some for some reason I was just so starstruck and I like couldn't even speak when I met her I was like totally nervous and shaky I was like wow. uh uh like I had to I had to say something because I just I admire her so much but I was just like 
we were we went back into the green room and she was there and my mom was like, go say hi to her, go talk to her. And I'm like, mom, be quiet, stop saying it. She's gonna hear you, you know. Like stop doing that. And I finally sucked it up and I was just like, hey, I'm sorry to bother you, but I uh, just wanted to let you know I'm a huge fan of your work and I'm just so excited that we are both involved in the same Star Trek universe. Blah blah blah. And she was such a sweetheart. It was great that, I mean, the fact that she was the captain, she was the only female captain of Star Trek is even more awesome. So it's cool. Really appreciate it. Later on to become an admiral for all you dorks out there. Uh, (laughs) She was was incredible. What what I like about her character is her character was quite unethical in, in a lot of areas. I mean, if you look at the last episode, she pretty much destroyed the timeline and just did whatever she wanted to do. Uh, to bring her crew back. It was very, very interesting to see her character because she was an incredibly strong woman, but she also didn't care mm-hmm. about certain rules. What she did care about was a crew. Yeah. But I think that's important. It's, yeah. I mean, it shows, especially yeah. like in that character, it's like you care about the people, not the rules. Yes. You know, you're looking out for your yeah. yourself as well as the people that you are surrounded by, and that's very important, especially in this world. I, lo- I love Oh, I love that. I, yeah. I loved her character. You know, th- this is a question I, I did not ask you, which is Captain Cisco. Did, did you have mm-hmm. any experience with? Do you remember having any experience with, with that particular actor, and, and, and what was it like? Because I remember him from the old days when he was in a show when I was a child. He was he actually played a uh, like an equalizer for a TV show that I watched, and he was bald, just like he was in the second, <laughs> third, and fourth season. But... You know, I don't. I don't have too many memories of working with him. Um, there's only a few, like, there, obviously the party episode that we were, we spoke about earlier when Colm came back, um, from a different, wherever he was traveling to get the materials and he came back and he was actually somebody else and we had that party. Right. There's that right. scene and, I mean, I didn't, I don't think I worked with him too much. Like, I worked mm. with Michael Dorn more because he was, he played Worf, he delivered me. And he was talking, right. he was like kind of my my uncle, you know. He took care of my little brother. He babysat him and him and Dad via Dax. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not yeah. I didn't really. I mean, I don't really recall working with Captain Cisco too much. It's, it's funny. This conversation has gotten really dorky from the beginning to the end, and I, I actually tried <laughs> to bubble around it, but it's, it's impossible when you're saying words like wharf. <laughs> When you're saying oh, words like Worf and, and, and Dax, it's really Im- impossible to get out of that kind of ridiculousness. But it, it, oh, it's I'm such a, those it. characters. <laughs> it's more exciting that way. It it's is. boring, right? I, I'm, well, for, for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer. As a writer's point of view, the Star Trek universe was a lot like the um, Twilight Zone universe, where anything was possible. Oh, yeah. So as a writer, oh, yeah. yeah, it just opened up. It just opened the floodgates, and the fact that it was in sci-fi meant that anything could happen. So I really, I really, they, it inspired an entire generation of writers. Mhm. Which is great, and it still is. Yes. I mean, people yes. to this day are still looking back at that at Star Trek, and you know, referencing it and using all of you know, not all of it, but some of it, right, in their current shows or movies and whatnot. Which is uh, I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to watch on YouTube and see somebody asking you a question that you can't answer about your episode. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> remember remember the episode you were in when you went into the white hole and you became an oh, older you? 
I can't wait. I'm gonna be like, what? I can't wait. No, I don't remember that. Oh That's my god, it's gonna be it's gonna be you asking the question, trying to pull a prank on me. You were Ryan. <laughs> you just you just stand up, look at that person, and go, "You are my future husband. You got it right. <laughs> you win. Yeehaw. You win. Oh. I lose. I don't know this. Oh. <laughs> just keep doing that voice, and it's great. It's totally awesome. I know. I'm, I'm going to go dressed in, like, maybe as a Bajoran. I'm going to have, the, like, the ear thing going all the way down, wear my garb. And, and ba- back in Bajor, uh, we had a, 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 you know, a, a thing going on there. And that, that's, that's going to be me. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully I'll remember. <laughs> like, I think this, this is Steve. I think I this think might be him or some freaky person or both. Oh, okay. So tell me, or, so do you have more conventions coming up before your before your film? Um, is there is there any place we can see you soon? Uh, come to visit, uh, signing autographs, anything like that? I don't have anything lined up as of yet. Um, okay. I just had two conventions that I signed contracts for that I've already done, but I haven't actually heard anything about any other ones. I was told um, the people for the Las Vegas convention creation entertainment they told me that they potentially i mean they want me to come back if we can get rosalind and colin so we can do the family thing that i was talking about earlier um but that won't be for another year or so but hopefully i'll be able to do another convention i know there's one coming up in san francisco which is where i live right now so that would be cool but i think they already have everyone booked for that maybe i'll just make a cameo appearance and just show up and be like hey (laughs) What's up? <laughs> be it's me. Nice. It's me. Nice little surprise. I'm here whether so, you like it or not. <laughs> when do you start filming on The Fifth Passenger? Do we know this yet? Um, I believe it's going to be sometime in January. They said that right. um, I believe they're going to be filming December and January, but because of school obligations, I won't be able to come down to L.A. until January, so I have to wait. Mm till school's over, until I finish all my finals and stuff. Some priorities. i got to at least pass my classes. Yes. Yes, pass your class, come back, become a (laughs) Hollywood star, and and then forget you even had that pass. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You you know, your psychology training will come really well with your co-stars and your directors in the future, and also your writers. Now, calm down. I know what you're going through right now. Take a pill right here. Here, here's a, here's some Xanax. Take a chill pill. I promise it'll it'll be okay. Let's talk through so this. So that, just talk, just talk it out, boy. So yes. the next thing we can see is the fifth passenger, directed by Scott Baker, written by Scott Baker and, and Morgan Lariat. So we got mm-hmm. we got that going on there. And uh, let me see, your character will play Nurse Yagi. Nice. Yes. Nice. So. How can we get in contact with you? We want to get in contact with the, with beautiful and fantastic, the amazing Hannah Hate. How can we contact you? How can we find you? Do you have a Facebook page, Twitter page? Um, yeah, everything. I have um, I have a Twitter. It's Hannah. It's a, is it the underscore? Is that what it's called? Yes. The little line that goes in between the da- the lower line. Hannah underscore Hate. So pretty easy. Um, I'm sure if you just Google it, I'm like seeing the whole Big Lebowski Ryan husk thing. Just Google me, you'll find it. Um, <laughs> I also I have uh, I guess technically it's a fan page on 
Facebook. Yes. It's just called Hanahate, though. It's It wouldn't let me put Hanahate fan page for some reason. It said it was an invalid name, so... Um, really? Just Hanahate. Yeah, just look up Hanahate on Facebook, and you'll find me pretty easy. And then also on Twitter, if you just look up. I'm sure if you just type in Hanahate, my, my name will pop up under users. Nice. And that's probably nice. the best way to contact me, the easiest. Ah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to check out all these things, especially the Kickstarter site for the Fifth Pasture. We really want to add money and add any support we can to any project you're part of in your future. Hannah Hate, well, thank, thank you. you so much for joining us today and spending the day with us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and popping my interview, Terry. It was fun. It was a blessing. I hope you have a great weekend, <laughs> and thank you much, so much for joining us today. All right, you as well. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. That was a great Hanahate right there, boys and girls. What a great, great, great show. Now, I could have gone on forever. I really could. But uh, we're coming to a close. We literally have five minutes left. Thank you, Hanahate, so much for joining us today. Such a great pleasure, great honor. A person who's part of the Star Trek world for a very long time. She was in Generation, Star Trek Generations, Next Generation, excuse me, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. One of the very few characters to leap from one show to another. Worf did, but Worf actually made the transition back to the original shows. Whereas Mr. O'Brien did not. He actually stayed with Deep Space Nine, which is an awesome, awesome thing. Thank you, Hanahate, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan T. Huss, for calling in and giving us that question. I was literally laughing so hard my ears were about to pop. That was probably the funniest thing I've heard in a very, very long time. What we heard today was a very, very strong female actress coming up and rising above. We're seeing a lot of that today, and it's a fantastic thing. As we talked about Princess Mononoke and Miyazaki and, and anime and manga going back we're seeing this resurgence and this acknowledgement and this understanding of how strong the woman has in our sci-fi consciousness. Going back to the Ripley effect, going back to the uh, Terminator, and, and, and Alien, and just Grace Park in, in Battlestar Galactica. And making, you know, talking about the Captain from Voyager, just how powerful women are in our sci-fi consciousness. Now, I beg I beg a question here. Name a couple men. Han Solo. Blade Runner. That Those are both Harrison Ford, by the way. <laughs> See, men are, are a little more, I don't know, overused, I would say. Whereas females are, are underutilized. And I think you're seeing that right now even through the Marvel Universe, where they're making a Car- Captain Marvel film. Where they want strong female actresses to be out there. Like Hanahate. All right, boys and girls, thank you very much for joining us today. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. You're listening to Cinephiles Radio. Our guest today was Hanahate from The Fifth Passenger, previously from Star Trek The Next Generation, as well as Star Trek Deep Space Nine. God bless you all. Have yourself an amazing weekend. You're all very special. <laughs>